G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we read that two are better than one, and we're given reasons for that. For example, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And also, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And then we're told, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. So two are better than one. But a threefold cord is not easily broken. Now, of course, we also hear two's company and three's a crowd. And that would especially apply in marriage. But not if the third person is the Lord Jesus Christ. A true Christian marriage is not one where two Christians are married to each other, but a marriage in which two believers are trusting in God's grace and favour to make their marriage prosperous and fruitful. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And we've had an interesting week looking at the subject of marriage. Hope it's been helpful. If you've just joined us, there's some good things in store today. Now, at the beginning of the week, when we looked at various ways of defining marriage, can you remind us that uh, marriage is actually the first institution, therefore, in a sense, the foundation for society? So would you say that, that marriage is the most important human relationship? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5 and 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In other words, it tells us that uh, marriage is the supreme human relationship. It takes priority over all other relationships, including the blood relationship between parents and their children. But secondly, you know, it talks about these two becoming one flesh. Now, people can cynically say, yeah, which one? <laughs> uh, and sadly, that, that does happen when, uh, when one person tries to dominate another. But marriage is not about conquest and domination. It's about two people sharing a common life. I don't know if you've ever been at uh, a wedding ceremony, Phil, where they have the uh, what they call the unity candle. Yes. You know, a candle that's burning on either side of the candle in the middle that's not, and both partners take their candle, they light the centre one, then they blow out uh, the other ones. It's a good indication of the fact that up until this point, you know, we lived independently. We made all the decisions for our lives, but now it's not a question of what's best for me, but what's best for the marriage? You know, this sort of team concept enters in. And uh, more than that, each partner brings their own strength into the marriage relationship, and that works for the benefit of the team. Mm. When you have the team environment, whether you're talking about a marriage or a workplace or a sporting team or whatever it might be, it's amazing the difference when people understand their position on the team and that they then all pull together in much greater unity, with much greater force, or they achieve whatever it is that they want because they understand that I bring this thing to the team yeah. and I bring this thing to the team. And marriage is exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah. And in a biblical sense, uh, the positions are the husband is the head of the wife, but that headship is loving leadership. It won't work any other way than through the husband 
uh, walking in love. That's right, and I think that's something we've been emphasising this week. That's the only way that headship works is through loving leadership. And uh, remember the, the definition we gave of love, Phil, is that it always seeks the highest good of the other person. And, of course, that love is modelled by Christ's relationship to the church. You know, Paul says, not just husbands love your wives, but as Christ also loved the church mm. and gave himself for her. So his love was sacrificial. It was self-denying. It was a love that put her before himself. It's this word agape that we're familiar with, you know, which is this self-denying love. Now, of course, men have physical needs, and we've talked about that too. But if we will love our wives with agape love, they will respond with eros love, you know, which is what men are interested in. And um, a man doesn't just turn his wife on in the bedroom. That's not the way it works. He turns her on all through the day by the way that he speaks to her, the way he helps her in the home, the way he spends time with the children, the way he listens to her and so on. And uh, if I can say another thing about a man's love for his wife is that it's actually a purposeful love. It's a love that has a purpose for his wife. Let's go back to the analogy again between, you know, Jesus and the church. Yep. And it says in verse 26 of Ephesians 5 that um, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word so that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's beautiful love. I mean I take encouragement from that. When Jesus loved you and I, uh, it wasn't just to save us from our sins, but it was to continue to perfect us and to change us and to conform us to his image and one day to present us spotless before himself on that glorious day. And uh, it's like that with our wives, you know. Um, There's a question that I was challenged by many, many years ago, Phil, and it was this. Um, Speaking to husbands, okay, is your wife more like Jesus because she married you. What a mm. challenge that is. And yeah. so there is that, you know, that priestly ministry that we have as uh, as husbands, you know, the washing of the water of the word and praying for her and just uh, that spiritual leadership as well. Is she more like Jesus because she married me? When you put it like that, it really reinforces the fact that it's so important this point is established before we even think about the role of a woman to her husband. Otherwise, it just opens up all those uh, exhortations of wives submitting to their husbands, you know, to abuse it and all that kind of thing, doesn't it? Yeah, let's go back to our de- definition, Phil. It's, it's voluntary submission to loving leadership. Mm. And I think if we keep those two things before us, then, you know, there's not going to be any abuse that takes place. Now, there's two errors that we need to avoid that are common today. One, as you've you just mentioned, is that sort of male chauvinistic interpretation of the roles of the husband and wife. The only real safeguard against that is to keep on returning to the model of Christ and the church. Is this the way that Christ and the church relate? And if we keep that model before us, then we'll we'll be motivated by this agape love, this, you know, a husband laying down his life for his wife. I, I've actually spoken to, um, you know, feminists yep. uh, about this sort of thing that are quite militant uh, in their views and their interpretation of roles of husbands and wives. But when you get into deep conversation and you present this side to it, you know, that that um, the real biblical model is that of loving leadership, uh, you know, the husband laid down his life for his wife. They've usually ended up saying something like this, show me a man like that, I'll submit to him. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, what they're reacting against is the abuse of that thing. Yeah. Uh, where there's this kind of control thing, domination and uh, even harm that's done by 
by wrong kind of headship, um, you know, understanding. And sadly, that's all too common. You mentioned that there were a number of errors. What, what's the next one? Yeah, the other error that I, I was alluding to is, uh, of course, the other extreme where we fail to recognize uh, biblical distinctions between a man and a woman. Uh, in these days when women are being pressured, if you like, to compete with men in every way, I think it's important to remember that we're not the same. We're just not the same. You know, we said earlier in the week, um, there's that very famous book, Men Are From Mars and Women From yep. Venus. But uh, the fact of the matter is that we are wired differently. Yeah. You know, we're, we're created differently. God didn't create a male nature to fit inside a female body or vice versa. And so it's important to recognize the distinctions between us. Now, these distinctions are not something to fight over. It's not a weapon to be used against one another. Uh, it's really just a part of this incredible diversity and order that there is in in creation. And I say this, Phil, let's let's explore it to the max. Um, I want my wife to be feminine, and I, she wants me to be masculine, and uh, so that we can bring both of those aspects into our marriage and uh, enjoy the fullness of what God intended for us in married life. It's not that one is better than the other; they're just different. We recognise that fact, and that's what actually brings the strength to the marriage, isn't it? Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up, Ken. It's been a really fascinating discussion this week. Have you got a final thought for us? Well, I keep coming back to this, uh, Phil, because, you know, we're talking a lot of behavior modification here. If we're not careful, we get into the legalism, rules, uh, and so on. Let's keep it in the grace of God. Any aspect of our lives that we try to control through a set of rules will end up nullifying the grace of God in our lives. And remember, God's grace is His ability in the place of our inability. There'll be many situations in a marriage where we feel we can't do it but by God's grace we can do all things well that brings us to the end of our series this week hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one until then remember you don't have to carry that baggage God wants you to be set free for books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book Against All Odds, which features topics from today's message, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.